Okay, hi you guys. I'm here with Adam Schreiber, who's a PGA golf pro, extraordinaire, golf uh, guru, golf coach to players, actually currently player up and coming rookie Sam Ryder. Hi, Adam. Hello. I have known you for a long time. I uh-huh. think, what, 14 years? Uh-huh. 14 or 15 years. Okay. And say so. Yeah. And <laughs> we are from the same part of the world. Uh-huh. Well, we live in the same part of the world. Well, you currently do. I don't. In northern Michigan. To, yep. I came to Traverse City. I Really, uh, there's a teacher named Brad Dean. Had a school out of Crystal Mountain. Uh-huh. He knew of me through my reputation. Immediately offered me a job. Really wanted to use my reputation to help put, boost crystal mountains notoriety which it did it got them ranked in because at that point all schools and right and at the point that you moved there you were kind of a hot shot right yeah <laughs> not really i mean anthony kim had just come on tour so he's been the most famous player i've coached thus far i was going to ask you that he's had been a the... big splash when he first got on tour he has a ton of charisma he has a great golf swing he's a really talented golfer was a really talented golfer and uh but you, you know, met Anthony when you were like when he was like ten. Yeah, he came to me for a lesson when he was ten, and uh, pretty much trained him full time ever since he was fourteen. So, came back when he was fourteen and trained him all through high school. And I did that. I wouldn't say I teach him. I think that's what makes me different than other golf coaches, and that's what the website's about: is try and train golfers to create a pattern of movement, something that you don't have to think about and it'll show up. No matter whether you're playing with your buddies for fun or you're playing in the U.S. Open for a lot of money. But do they, like, do you, okay, let's back up for a second. So, Anthony Kim, so yeah. you're, you're out in Colorado, you meet Anthony out in Colorado? California. In California prior to that? Yeah. You're um, married, have your kids, all this stuff going on, kind of a young career, youngish career, and then... Then you go to the lead school, lead better school, and then you're kind of a star coach for him. And then you started like, then you started coaching a bunch of celebrities. Well, no. I mean, I don't mean coaching, but giving lessons too. Well, I met Anthony when I was with the lead school, and actually, I ran, oversaw the U.S. for David Ledbetter. Started with him. Uh, I was one of three teachers. When I finished, we only had one academy when I started. When I finished, we had, or when I. Yeah, I guess I resigned. We had 26, <laughs> 26 academies and something like 140 teaching professionals oh, around no the kidding. world. So we grew, he grew a very big business. Um, you know, I and saw so the goods and the bads of it. I mean, that's one of the reasons I started a website. Yeah. Like, I did not think the golf school business, expanding your reputation that way was the right way. I watched Led work really hard train a lot of teachers to eventually be his competition Mm -hmm. and not make a lot of money out of it, quite honestly. Not impact as many people as I feel like you can through a website. So reason I, you know. But I I mean, that's a long time coming, right? Like that this website is a long time coming because you've been teaching for. Yeah, long time. 20, 30? 20 something years, yeah. 60 something years. Not that long, but. uh, I'm kidding. No, I, I. Shattered my ankle when I was 29, so I'm uh, 56 now, so I've been teaching 27 years. Yeah. So you're in Colorado, and, like, then do these, these like, famous people start coming? Like, I remember you seeing 
fucking Sylvester Stallone and his, he had some kind of spiel with his vat, bat venom. Yeah, Transylvania bat saliva. Transylvania bat saliva. The most purest form of a natural steroid. $20,000 a gram. I don't really know if there was truth to that statement or not, but that's what I was told. Uh, so Sylvester Stallone Yeah, I taught along. Sylvester. I taught Lou Hulse. That was a great experience. I've taught a lot of pretty famous people, some really good basketball players, and et cetera. But, uh, Michael Jordan? Yeah, I helped Michael a little. Um, Kevin McHale, Scott Skiles, a bunch of, uh, yeah, a lot of basketball players, a lot of different... Uh, what about athletes presidents? all over through the, through the yeah I've helped a couple of different presidents really Quill and Bush and and what about the one we currently have oh uh, yeah Mr Trump yeah, yeah I played a little bit of golf with Donald yeah what do you think about the Donald you know it's really interesting I'm you know Donald and I are not cut from the same cloth <laughs> no kidding yeah I would say that's pretty accurate but I did take the time to ask at least 10 of his employees, what kind of guy he was. I know. And they blew my mind. Every one of them loved him. And I don't know. I know. You've you've told me this before. And I think that they've been paid to love him. (laughs) And I think they're afraid to not love him. You know, I would say, yeah, I would say that's true. Except there there was definitely situations where guards would be down and opportunity was there to say whatever you could say and no there would be no repercussions and nothing, were they all white guys bad was said yeah were they, they were all white guys they were all white guys they actually were all white yeah. guys. so all the white guys love donald trump you guys hear that <laughs> easy shocker shocker okay all right um yeah so okay so thanks but- for going there <laughs> anytime adam appreciate anytime. that it's just where I want to go is to politics, straight <laughs> in my wheelhouse. <sighs> well, you know what's in mind. I um, so so understanding that sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. Right. Is taking me a long time to realize as a coach. Right. And I think that's that white space. Yeah. So I mean, knowing. You know, I think as a young coach, you always feel like you're conscious. You're being paid a lot of money. You're helping somebody perform mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the highest level. You always feel like, oh, I got to do something to earn this. Yeah. When, honestly, the work we've done away from the event, we've earned it. You know, they're either prepared or they're not. And I don't really need to say the perfect thing Wednesday night to make it all happen. Um, and that's what I've learned over the years. And, you know, I think it takes a great deal of confidence and a great deal of maturity at times to say nothing. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, no kidding. And perhaps that's the white space of coaching. Yeah, that's that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Like, I, um, well, what I had just said, and it looks like it was just cut off classically because it was, it was probably the best moment of this interview, interview so far. <laughs> Was I was saying that Debussy says that um, the space between the notes is what makes the music, and so you we were just talking about as a coach and even as a parent, you know, or as a friend. Sometimes it's what you don't say that gets heard the loudest, and um, and that I agree with you saying that. Like you feeling as a young person, and I felt this way as a teacher too, and I've done a little bit of coaching and art therapy where I feel like I need to um 
earn it. You need to say something every minute or be it or do it or something. hundred percent. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, I did a lot of training for David Ledbetter and wrote his training manual way back in the day for the academy. And uh, you could always tell the young teacher really coming out oh yeah he's dying to tell you how much he knew yes which yes was that the best thing for the student almost never (laughs) if not always never quite honestly but he just learned all this new knowledge and he couldn't wait to tell you how smart he was yeah well what's this golf lesson about what are we doing here what is you know what is what's the outcome we want to create if we want to create a lot of confusion Somebody that's impressed with your knowledge but doesn't get any better uh-huh. did a great job. Right. But if we're ultimately trying to improve that player, have them tell all their friends how much better they got, send all their buddies, whatever, how, I don't know what your outcome is, but then we probably need to focus on a little different route. Right. So, you know, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think when you learn a lot of new stuff, you're anxious to share it and you, you have good intentions. Right. But t- sometimes it takes, you know, and I, I don't ever question the intentions. I think the intentions are, you know, normally good. But to take a step back and, and realize, like, what is the best thing to achieve the outcome that we're trying to achieve? And that's like, sometimes that's just putting your ego right aside. You know, and, and and many times my job is me not being able to take the credit, you know, and that's fine if I really do my job well. Like a lot of times it's making my players self-discover what they need to do to get better. Yeah. And that sounds like a trickery or I don't even know what it sounds like to everybody else. I just know that's what works best mm-hmm. in them committing and trusting it in performance. And there's certain personality that's, very commonly on top in sports that needs that. that Don't know what, what bo- needs to feel like they've discovered it. Do you think that's a male trait? I wouldn't. I <laughs> <laughs> boy, how do I? Yeah, no. I do. I'd say no. Okay. Um, I think it's a. I think it's something to a very successful person's trait. They feel like they have to discover. Yeah, I think water. It's, it's yeah. It's not the not the only time. Uh, you know, I I I've experienced this with a lot of players, and it's you know it's asking them the right questions. You know, so do you think if uh, your hands were a little lower at the top, the club, club would come down in a better slot? You know, and they'll be like, you know what? I think I really need to get my hands a little lower at the top, <laughs> so the club comes down in a truer, better slot. What do you think of that, coach? And you're like, you know, God, that's yeah. But I mean, yeah. But it's like it's there's something to that for them having a hundred percent commitment in what they do. Yeah. I don't know what personality the sports psychologist, what box they would throw that personality in. I just know there's. I see it often. Right. I'm pretty good at recognizing it, and I'm Uh okay at handling it most of the time. Did um, you know Anthony was? (laughs) He was that personality. (laughs) He was that personality for sure. But was he? um, He was your first famous player that you brought up? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I worked with, uh, you know, I worked under David Ledbetter. I spent a lot of time with Nick Price when he was number one in the world. Pretty good bit of time with Ernie Els and decent amount of time with Faldo. But yeah, Anthony was my only, my first true player that I ta- I mean, I taught him since he was 10 years old. Right. What and about Candy Kung? Was Candy, she a phenom? Would you consider Candy her was, a phenom? Yeah, I think Candy was really good. She got to number four or five in the world. And I think she was 21 when she got that high. Yeah, I think she was 
And then since since Anthony, Sam? Yeah, I mean, Ryan Brem went on tour two years ago. He's the first guy from Traverse City. To yeah. ever... Okay, sorry, that cut out just for a second. So you were talking about Ryan Brem, and um, we were talking about Sam Ryder, who's your guy, who this year made almost, would you say, $1.8 million? Yeah. So, like, Ryan and Sam... Actually, about four years ago, I was coaching four or five ladies on the on the women's tour. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I wasn't very happy with my career. Why? Well, a I'm a women sing- are I was, boring. No, I was a single dad, and it was a lot of travel between, you know, the PGA tour, the LPGA tour, the Web.com tour, and the Canadian oh, tour, right, which right. Sam and Ryan were on at the time. Mm-hmm. So, I had to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And it was be a dad or keep coaching all these players. Well, that was easy. I wanted to be a dad because I know you have limited time to parent your kids. So mm-hmm. somebody as a player had to go, and the ladies went because they simply play for less money. <laughs> and I work on a percentage of their earnings and just made sense. It was like, hear that, ladies? It was just cost versus benefit choice. Yeah, I get it. And yeah, so at that point, I really committed to. Because you were coaching Morgan Pressel at Morgan one point. Morgan Pressel, Candy Kong, Amy Hung, Irene Cho. I had four or five ladies out there that were all doing pretty well. I was making a decent amount of money from them, but I couldn't juggle both. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I think my passion's more with the guys. Um, and they play for my money, so the ultimate big payday's with the guys, I feel yeah. like. So I wanted, wasn't going to turn my back on that side, so I had to make a decision and leave something and I left the ladies store so. yeah and it's paid off it's 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 interesting the internal dialogue that's, I was just having, by the way that's depressing the internal dialogue I was having in my head at the time was you know you, you need to do something here because you're, you're losing out on your kids time and if you really believe in yourself as much as you claim to <laughs> You know, yeah. you'll you'll do what it takes and go coach these guys that yeah. you really believe can make it and play yeah. for, you know, enormous amount of money. And What's shocking to me is like, like, so for Ryan, wait, am I right? Yeah, Ryan, wait, why am I saying that? Sam or Ryan? Sam, sorry. Sam just made $1.8 million this year and you've had players that are very wealthy. They become very rich, right? And it's weird to me that coaches don't make a lot of money. Like you told me that, right? Like these coaches on tour are not making a lot of money, right? I don't. It all depends what you consider a lot of money. Well, you had said to me at one point, none of them are making money. I mean, what do you think Tiger's coach makes? Oh yeah, the, yeah. Tiger doesn't currently have a coach, but okay. You know, Sean Foley, I think, does quite well as a coach. Okay. I think there's four or five coaches that travel the tour every week. Uh huh. That do make a very good living as what a, would you say very good living coach. is half a I'd million bucks i'd say yeah right right in that ballpark 500 the rest yeah. of them are making what one to two one to two hundred thousand okay so. it's just it to me in in the in the caddies are making more money right oh For i mean it, again it all depends everybody's you know like i don't know how all the other coaches do it i do it on a percentage of earnings which um, there a lot of so them are if not my doing players that. are playing well, I'm making a lot of money. If they're not playing well, I'm not making any money. Most of your coaches have a facility or a golf school or something oh. back home mm-hmm. 
where the lion's share of their income comes mm-hmm. from. And this is just kind of gravy. I see. But you do have a handful of coaches that travel the tour every week mm-hmm. that coach, you know, half a dozen players or so. Mm-hmm. And they roll the dice that way. Right. And I think there's there's some guys that are making pretty substantial living doing it. Okay. So that's not what you said before, but we'll roll with it. We'll okay. complain that, that none of them make any money. Okay. But um, do you, I mean, I'm sure the good ones, obviously, you, yeah, the good I mean, at anything, you're going to make some money. I sure. mean, and you're doing it at that level. The, you know, something that Debussy says, the musician, is is that is that the music is in between the notes. It's you've got the, you know, the black notes in the space, and it's the space that creates the music. And as a writer, that is true, too. The space between the letters or the space between the words, the space between the lines. And we have talked about this before, and I know you had mentioned something. Well, I mean, just I would imagine also as a coach that that is true. I have my own experience with that. And it, it's true in relationships. It's true in parenting. It's true in any mentoring situation. And it's kind of painful sometimes to let someone hang or to let someone learn on their own, which you kind of mentioned before. But um, is that is that true? You had a situation with a rookie recently and you had to make that choice. Yeah. I mean, Sam, not too long ago, in the last month, was playing in Las Vegas I was with another player, our coach, Christian DeMarco, Chris DeMarco's son, and Sam sent me swings late Wednesday night. And by the like time... video swings? Video swings of his golf swing. And he wants and you to look at wants it. wants me to look at uh-huh. it, tell him if he should change anything before he tees off on Thursday. Uh-huh. And, you know, by the tone of his text and knowing Sam the way I know, he was hitting the ball well. I uh-huh. can tell. Mm-hmm. And he was confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told Christian that... Christian DeMarco, the other player I was with, that I didn't really like a couple things about the swing, and I thought his left hip would be hurting him at the end of the week, but didn't really know what to do because he was obviously confident, and it was Wednesday night and not a lot of time to make changes before you tee off on Thursday morning. Mm -hmm. So I chose to say nothing, which I probably would have never done in my younger days as a coach. And maybe that was a white space because Sam... Played the week, made the biggest check of his career, finished third, shot 62 on Sunday, made almost a half a million dollars for the week, and bitched me out for saying nothing at the end of the week, but well, that he, was fine. Well, I mean, he bitched you out. Bitched then- me out, and then we talked about it, he realized, you know, I probably did do the right thing, although there's a better way to maybe communicate through the right thing, so who knows? Well, but it's also like the idea is you see something, you don't want to fuck with his head the day before a game. Nope. No, because that's not worth it, because then he's going to be trapped inside his head. Correct. Okay. So let's talk about this. Like, I, I have talked to, strangely, since I started writing about this and, and just the, 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 the creativity and the art of the athlete has, has kind of come up, is the, um, the spiritual aspect of this sport. And, and I've, kind of, I've kind of come to some conclusions about different athletes, different types of sports. And I noticed that golfers definitely seem to be very spiritually grounded. <clears throat> they seem to be looking for a spiritual, because I, I, I don't know what it is. I, I do. I think it's it's a very spiritual sport. It seems to be. Would you say that or no? Yeah, I don't mean, I mean God. You know, I'm not well, saying church and Jesus. I'm saying like. Okay. So I think, I think more than anything, so many sports are reactive. 
Uh-huh. That you don't have time to mentally screw yourself quite the way you uh, do right. in golf. Uh-huh. Okay, perhaps right. the pitcher in baseball might be similar, but he's still got an outside agency. He's throwing it to another player. Right. You know, golf, it's just you. Right. Bowling, perhaps? Yeah. Don't know the sports. You know, but so with that said, I think there's a lot, you know, like, like getting yourself into peak performance is a tough thing. So and not not head fucking yourself, which is why everybody's hey 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 that's Adam's dog Yoda Yoda, Yoda goes on hey Yoda stop Yoda goes on tour too Yoda's pretty famous on Yoda's tour. famous on tour <laughs> so you but, all heard Yoda um um yeah so I mean you know being a proactive sport so being something that you put the ball in motion you initiate there's no reaction right. right. That's the that's the greatest challenge. I mean, right. you got time to mentally screw yourself. Right. And you can see when somebody's off immediately. I mean, even for me when Tiger was going through what he was going through, it was just painful. And when somebody's plugged in, they're just plugged in. Like he is he's for me, I guess Anthony's the same, but he's for me the most the most um as an outsider, I could see it the most spelled out on his body and face. Like when he is on, he is on and he's just he's uh channeling you you can sense that he's plugged completely in and when he's off you can see his the wheels turning and i'm thinking 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 and it seems like that's what's going on in golf you when when people are like trapped inside their head and and like what i try to do is get people back into their heart back into that back into that creative flow which is you know if we could bottle that up and pill it you know make a pill out of it we would sure i mean people call that the zone like what do you do to get out of your way what do you do to get in that little bubble and perform your best never have any negative thoughts never operate out of fear always just dream of the outcome you want and Mm -hmm. not even think about how it's going to happen and just intuitively let it happen yeah (laughs) yeah you, right. you like find we, that secret, nah. Yeah, right. You know, but I don't think that's separate in sport. I think it holds true in music. I think it holds true. It's in true, art. absolutely. It it's probably art. holds true in business. It does, and even in public speaking, anything. And you any know, anything stuff. performed at its highest level. It's yeah. really, you know, learning how to get out of your own way and let your talent just really come through. It. Do you it's, think it's your talent that's coming through? I think it's your passion. Yeah. What do you think is What do you think is generating that passion? I think, I don't know. I think uh, intent. I think it's God. Okay. I think it's God expressing himself like through me. Okay. Because I just go with it and it's like, it doesn't happen all the time, but I see it with athletes too, where it's like, and I think other people can experience it. When you call it the zone, we call it in flow. Artists call it in flow, meaning it's just flowing through, flowing through, flowing through. So sometimes I'm writing and it's just taken over me. You lose track of time. You lose track. of It's just going. And I know I'm not generating this. Maybe I have the skills to articulate it because I'm a writer. Maybe, I, maybe an athlete has the muscles and has the years and years of practice. So they're lending, they're lending a refined body in a, in a, an amazing skill set to it. But when you're in that zone, I think it's pretty clear that it's not coming from you. At least I feel that way. Do you feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. And I don't know if I'd put the big G label on it, but I think that scares a lot of people. But I I I know I know it's me and my Does it's, it scare it's, you? Yeah, it doesn't scare me. I think it's it's 
it's what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Like immediately, you know, it's bliss. Right. You've never felt that way in your whole life. You, right. Like that's the only time I feel that. Like yeah. that to that extreme. And I think athletes, when I talk to them and we have this discussion, that's when they're like, oh my God. Okay, she's not a lunatic. Like they, I get it. In that, in that angle with the flow. And I think that we can see it in other people. And it's like an opera singer or a, or a singer who hits a precarious high note and they just go for it and they nail it and everybody gets goosebumps. I think we're plugging into that reality too. You know, I think we're plugging into that experience because as outsiders, I think we see that happen. And you can see an athlete when they're playing from the heart and it's just all going in. Like the world takes notice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what happens if they're all playing from the heart? I've never seen that. Usually one person's good, one person's bad. Like, we're all at different places, spiritually fit, you know, like, or have different issues. If we're all operating from that level... What if there's different levels of that? Yeah. And that's what you're, and that's what you're really seeing. That could be, too. That, yeah. that, now that's trippy. I had never thought of that, but that's well, true. Well, but I mean, I think that's part of it, right? So the zone could be in different levels, and, you know, it could have to do with outside extremities and how good at There's so many factors that goes in. Like a go, faceted diamond. It could be one facet or the other. Go into peak performance. I mean, there's so many external factors. Yoda. Hey. Come here. Okay. So the dogs are crazy. Um, <coughs> so I'm just going to ask you a couple little trivia questions. Sure. Okay. Away. If you had to remove one of the United States, what would it be? If I had to remove one of the United States? Yeah. What would it be? Uh-huh. Oof, man, I'm going to make some enemies. Yeah, I know. I did it. Really? Go ahead. I'm not telling you what I said. Pick one. Hurry up. One second. Uh, I'd remove Puerto Rico. You'd remove Puerto Rico? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You are going to make enemies. Um... Biggest pet peeve in the golf media? In the golf media? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Biggest pet peeve in embellishing stories. Being dramatic? Embellishing stories. That's all we're saying? Yeah, I mean, I think they get over-exaggerated. I don't think the truth gets reported. That makes me scared to talk to golf media. Yeah. I agree. Do they take stuff and they twist it and they yeah. turn it weird? Yeah, yeah. same stuff. So to me that's before. why I don't. I'm notorious for not talking to those guys. I'm, a, you know, fly under the radar, pretty good coach that's never promoted himself because I don't want to talk to media because I don't feel like the facts might don't get converted. Yeah, I had that the one time I did that one interview and somebody asked me about Tiger Woods, my article that I wrote. And he said, you said Tiger could, I was like, well, I, I had to be deliberate because I've been misquoted before. And I said, I never said that. Like, and I sounded real bitchy, but I was like, oh no, we're not going on this road again. Like, I, I never yeah. said that. I never. Well, I mean, I've had it twisted. I've had players go under NCAA investigations versus for things that were reported incorrectly. Yeah, that's not you okay. You know, mm-hmm. I've had players f- almost fire me several times. Yeah, that's not okay. Things that aren't reported correctly, so you know if we if, got a problem. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm I not agree. the media's best contact. Okay, except this media. Well, I'll sober talk in the to city. You. Uh... I don't think sober in city is going to damage me, but we'll see. <laughs> Only time will tell. Okay. Um, what's your favorite binge food? I know you eat a lot. Popcorn. Popcorn. Is that not a binge? Ice cream. 
Ice cream or popcorn, one of those two. How can you go wrong with either one? Okay, because you're on a pretty strict diet. A lot of these guys are on pretty strict diets. Yeah. Um, advice for young golf groupies. What's a golf groupie? A girls, you see them, I see them, they're hanging out, you know they're flocking all over your players. What's your advice to these girls? Uh, move on. Move on? <laughs> Don't do it? Don't do it. Don't Golfers do it. are selfish. Golfers are selfish. Is that right? Yeah, they're chasing a little right ball, like around a green pasture. There's something wrong with this dude. Yeah, right. And then they dedicate their lives to it. Yeah, that's, that's so weird. Up. That's fucked up. <laughs> okay, um, two things that you would buy if you had twenty dollars. I, I mean, I might have to give you a thirty-dollar budget to spend on workout gear. Two things I would buy. Workout gear, mm -hmm. like equipment. Mm -hmm. Cause I know you're the king of the cheap gear. I mean, not uh, the video equipment and stuff, but like I'd seen. buy some kind of strap where I could do body weight. Like a rubber strap, like a rubber bandy thing. No, like a TRX type strap. So I have a I have a green strap that they've banned like bulks of wood together. Is yeah. it elastic? No. Oh, okay. It's a it's a strap. Those nylon things? Yeah. yeah. It has no give in it. Okay. And instead of carrying a big TRX thing, this uh -huh. thing rolls up into uh -huh. the size of your fist. Uh-huh. I bring that. And do what? So I can tie a knot in it, wedge it to the top of my door, and I can do any kind of body weight, work out with my body weight. Okay. So we have a strap, and then, a lumber strap. Yeah, and then I would get some bands. The rubber bands. Yeah. That's what I would go with. Okay. <laughs> um, but if you can't, like, if you can't, there's so many good exercises you can do off your body weight. Yeah. And if you can't, like, you can, when you work your body weight, you're making your muscles talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Or you fall down. Right. So you're working core, butt, shoulders all at the same time, which for golf, everything comes down to, like, what's around your pelvis how that connects to your sh arms and your shoulders mm -hmm. which is through your core mm -hmm. and then how your feet connect to the ground mm -hmm. so if you can leverage those things you'd be pretty good at any sport i would think okay i i feel like you may have hung yourself with puerto rico so i'm going to give you a second chance pick a Man, second one it'd be somewhere in the northeast but i'm going to hang myself even worse so. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> He's about to say New York City. I wouldn't break my heart. Manhattan. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for this. Oh, let's talk about your website. You just launched this kick-ass website. Yeah, tourprepgolf.com. It's got, you know, it's pattern workouts. It's what I believe in. It's training golfers instead of teaching them. I don't think you get better by sitting in front of a mirror and working positions. Um, so the arm curls I do every day? Arm curls will change your bicep size. Well, I mean, the ones I pretend to do every day. Those won't help. Mm. But so, you know, so working out in the right way, you know, my, my experience has been with people outside of golf, a guy named Mark Verstegen. I watched change yeah. 40 times in one day, stuff that people say couldn't be done, add velocity to pitchers, you know, 5, 10 miles an hour in a day or two. Uh -huh. Again, things that they said couldn't be done. Um and I really just stole his ideas and applied them to golf. Yeah, right. Why not? So, and I like so that far book. they've worked for me. Yeah. Core Performance is his book. Mm -hmm. and He's then, got a bunch of them now. Yeah. You got Tour Prep Golf. Tourprepgolf.com. You're teaching. 
I'm teaching. The memberships are $15 a month. Uh-huh. And you can work out, you know, you identify your pattern and you work out to improve upon it. Okay. So you point you in the right direction of where you're weak, figure out uh, what program you want to do to get better and re-coordinate your parts. And okay. My favorite part about this website is that you get to also see some behind-the-scenes video of you with the players. Yeah, there's some cool stuff. And the players, like, you know, any coach can get up there and beat on his chest and tell you how great he is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when your players do it and they back up the credibility and, you know, like Sam led the PGA Tour in total ball striking. Right. Means he's hit the ball better than anybody in golf. Right. Four years ago, he made $6,900 playing golf. Yeah. I'll leave that to you. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, enough said, right? That's, yeah. Well, I think you're creative. Thanks. Yeah, you are. And I worked with a couple of your little players. Your little players, I shouldn't say that. You're very big players. You're enormous players. And they're really fucking creative people. Yeah. And the, I mean, it's really something. It's really. We do it a little different, you know? Like, I think if you can track, like, if you look at golf like a business, it breaks up into certain aspects, you know, how you hit the ball, what goes on around and on the greens. Uh Uh-huh. Really. Right. And if you can run your business efficiently and have no weak elements, you can have a successful business. That's all it really is. Right? It doesn't mean it has every day it performs well. Mm-hmm. Because there's no business does that. Right. So, like, I don't know. I mean, I think we, we approach it very differently. We train for efficient patterns. I coach instead of teach. So they practice with a purpose. To have no weakness in their game, and I think that's why I've had success. Awesome. Okay. So, and then if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Oh, they can go through tourprepgolf.com <laughs> and contact me through the website. We're we're in the process of maybe opening a new academy. Um, I know you're passionate about children. Everything, everything hasn't been finalized yet, so I'm not going to let that cat out of the bag. But, yeah, I'm, I'm super passionate about kids. I want to make a difference in golf before I leave this game, and... I believe anybody with the passion to play at a high level should have the opportunity to train like the best. And that's my goal to get out there someday. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Yep.